church, teach in Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor Paulson. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. Praise God. It is so great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, I wasn't planning on being here all this week. We were in Jamestown and uh, being with the Woodses in the uh, celebration there. And being with the Chuppies was just really a treat. So we decided to hang out with them for the rest of the, for that dura duration. And we've been having a blast, amen. I've just been enjoying, we, we're in his home. It's just something just to be in the home with him and his dear wife. And uh, what a great, great atmosphere. And uh, a lot of times we'll stay up in the evangelist quarters, but this time we just chose to stay with them. And it's just been a lot of fun. If I have any regrets, which I don't have a lot, but if I have any regrets, I regret that I don't have enough time to spend with my friends. If I have any regrets, I just regret that I don't have enough time to spend with my family. And I feel in, uh, when I was praying to, to speak to you a little bit about that. It's a wonderful thing to have your family. It's great. And I wish I could spend more time with my family. And if I ever have any regrets when Jesus comes and he asks me, he says, that I just didn't have enough time. Now, some of your families are not in the church, but that's irrelevant. That's still your family. And... I remember there's more times than one. My dad never that didn't come to he came to church with me at times. But my dad was can I just forgive me, Dad, for saying this? And but he was just a, a, a drunk. He was alcoholic. But yet when I came into the church, I built a relationship with him. And I would call him at least once or twice a week. And if I didn't, he would call me. He says, "Son, what where you been? What you been? What's going on? What's wrong?" And he expected that phone call, and I wish I could pick the phone up today and call him, but I can't because he passed away. And the regret that I have, I just wish I had spent more time with him. Now, not because he passed away. I'm not getting sentimental with that. What I'm saying to you, you don't realize how valuable and how great it is to have friends and family on this earth. Now, you're saying, well, you know, we have a kind of a, division or, you know, I have something against my family. Can I preach to you here today? That get rid of that. That's your choice. So I'm going to preach to you or teach to you on, a, on something that's very, very, I think is very important. Lest we lose the things that God has given us. And it's time for us to move and to change addresses. And I've heard, you know, some here today is, is a thing about selling your home and putting your house on for sale. And some don't even know where they're going to be after that. And that's just kind of a crazy place to be, isn't it? And, and uh, we, we move sometimes from house to house. And uh, we don't know where we're going to end up. But well, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes we change geographic locations because of the environment in which we, that is around us. And we want a better neighborhood. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But I'm talking about something spiritually where we live. I'm talking about the, the human capacity of where we live, if that makes sense. And I remember when we first got married, and uh, that was 43 years ago. It wasn't very long. I still love the one I'm with, love her so much. I, could, I just want to spend more time with her. And she wants me to go fishing once in a while, so... I never heard of any wife that just wants their husband to go fishing because I'm just that way. I just want to be around her because it, it's important for me. And that wasn't always that way. And I'm going somewhere with this. And so when we first got married, we were able, every, all of our possessions fit in the back of a Vega wagon. Some of you don't even know what a Vega wagon is, but it's, a, it's the original hatchback. It's pretty small, and uh, it's a, I wish I had the vehicle now because it's a cool car. And we put everything in the back, and we moved to our first apartment, and that was our stuff. And we were so happy just to have the – it didn't matter if we had furniture. It, it, was, it just didn't matter. It just was so cool. And then a year later, we moved again into a house – uh, and that house was rent-free. We didn't have to pay rent for it, just utilities. And everything that we owned fit in the back of my pickup truck. So the next move was the stuff got, you know, more. You got a lot of stuff when you move? Oh, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and then a year later, God called us to come to North Dakota and yet still, we, when we moved, every, we got rid of the Vega wagon. Everything fit in the back of a Ford pickup truck. And I moved my daughter and my wife, and we moved here to North Dakota. And we lived in a, a, a parcel garage that was by the Walters house. That's where we lived. So it didn't take much to live there. We were happy. They said that um, it, it, your home is where your heart is. And, and it's true to a, a particular point but if you're not happy to begin with you're not going to have a happy home and uh, so we we brought all that stuff there and wasn't a lot and then then about a year after that we we bought a house and we moved that stuff and it was still a pickup truck full but we added then my, my mother and father-in-law brought stuff and we bought stuff to fill the rooms and and then after about three or four years you know stuff and then then we moved again, and then we had to get a U-Haul truck. <laughs> and then a trailer on top of that, didn't we? And, and we moved to Minnesota. So things started to pile up. And they're moving with us. Let your brain think a little bit where I'm going with this. And then... We got another call to go to another city, and it took a, two trailers, and it took another U-Haul truck. And I decided once we made that move, Brother Paulson, because it was wintertime, and the trailer that I was pulling jackknifed, and I almost got in an accident. I said, we ain't taking all this stuff the next time we move. And so when we made our next move from Alexandria, where we pastored down to Minneapolis, guess what I did? Instead of buying a U-Haul truck, I bought a dumpster. <laughs> I rented a dumpster, and I threw everything out. 
in that dumpster. And my wife was just like a happy camper, man. I mean, it's like the old beds, the old couch, the, you know, the washer and dryer. I mean, everything was, it was junk to begin with. But I said, we're not moving this stuff. And that dumpster got full. So anything that was burnable, we burnt it in the middle back of our yard. And that bonfire lasted two or three days, Brother Jay. <laughs> I am serious. And then when we got down to the cities, we started all over again. What I'm trying to say to you is a lot of times in life we have a lot of stuff and a lot of baggage. And we seem to move from one place in God to the next place in God. And we bring the stuff with us. And it's time to get the dumpster out. And I, I'm, I know I'm speaking to somebody here today because Pastor Paulson calls, called me about a month ago and asked me, Brother Jones, you, you got a word for us today? And they go, I do, but I was not able to get here because of other circumstances. No, I'm here. And that word did not leave. And, and God is trying to move us from one place to the next. And, and as we're moving, we're bringing stuff. We're bringing our past. We're bringing our hurts. We're bringing our pain. We're bringing our emotions. We're bringing our troubles. We're bringing our failures along with us. And the truck and the U-Haul becomes a double trailer because we don't want to leave that stuff behind. And God is trying to move us through. And I can prove something to you. The scripture is full of this. And let's go to Genesis chapter 11. And, and it's right, almost right for in the beginning of time. And this is right after, if you ever, and I'm Pastor Paulson teaching you how to teach Bible study. You're going through search for truth. And it was just right after the Tower of Babel where, where humanity decided that on their own they're going to construct this edifice. And they're going to uh, build this thing. And when trouble comes, they're going to be safe way up there. And God says, you know, I told you to, to plenish the earth. And they just decided not to. So because of this obedience... God had tore them down. Please be obedient unto God. But we find in, in Genesis chapter 11, if you could bring that up. He says, now these are the generations of Terah. And Terah begot Abram, nor Haran. And Haran begot Lot. So Haran is Lot's daddy. And Abraham is his brother. All right, you got that? And Terah is the father so Terah has three boys, Haran, Nahar, and, and Abram. And then we find that Haran uh, gave birth to Lot. Now, next verse of scripture in 28. And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And um, the Bible says that this boy prematurely died, but he was a father. And he had a son and his son's name was Lot. And if you can imagine that, that this, this dad, that all of a sudden, uh, uh, he was doing right, by the way, because the Bible says that right after the, the tower and stuff in the land of, of Ur, was, it was a pagan land. And they worshiped other gods. And for some odd reason, something got in the heart of Terah. And he said, we're going to move, boys. Pack them up. And they were... They were moving, and on their way, they were moving. Terah died. 
Can I say to you, sometimes when we move into the realm of God, and sometimes all of a sudden tragedy hits our way, apparently at times, life does happen. Division and, and, and children pass away or there's difficulties. Your dreams begin to blow up on you and things go wrong in your life. And, and there's, there's, there may be a, a spouse that left you or uh, there's some separation somewhere. And now you are in a state of pain. You're in a state of trauma. But you say, but I'm starting, I'm trying to live for you, God. I'm, I, I started out, and I'm, I'm trying to separate myself from the old things. But yet, why did my son die? In the next verse, and Abram and Noah took them wives, and the name of Abram's, and, and it, it, Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Noah's wife was Mel, Melchai, I don't know how to pronounce all these names, the daughter of Haran, and the father of uh, Melchai, and the father of Iscot. Next verse. Verse 30. I think that's the end of the chapter. Is that correct? And, yeah, no, it isn't. And Sarah was barren. And I find this interesting that God in the middle of everything inserts this type of recognition that why did, did he put that there? And Sarah was, was barren. But we find later on what God was going to do. But it was on the other side of things. Now you need to catch that. It's very noticeable. It, it, you need to take note in that. Okay? So put that off to the side somewhere. But remember this, this verse of scripture because it's very important. So right in the middle of this tragedy, right in the middle of this sorrow, the, the writer says, but Sarah was barren. But we know that Sarah had a child and God did a miracle. But they didn't know what was coming in the future. Next verse. And Sarah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran and his son and Sarah's, Sarai his daughter-in-law. And so that's the daddy of the lost boy, remember? And he took them. And, uh, and Sarah's wife, and they went forth uh, with them from Ur, the Chaldees, and go into the land of Canaan. And so in his sorrow, he decides, we're going we're, we're to have to leave this pagan ground. Something is stirring within me. And, and, but he's still fighting this, this, this loss that's in him. So he's battling two things. He wants to do what's right, but yet he's having difficulty to navigate his loss. Unfortunately, we carry that with us wherever we go. But that's not God's intention. And they went into a land called Canaan, and they, and they came on to where? Haran. Oh, does that name sound familiar to you? That's the name of his son that he lost. And he finds a city, Haran. And I don't know, the scripture doesn't tell us that he named that city or the city was named, uh, it was a coincidence. And I don't know if I believe in coincidences. But it's possible. Okay? And I, I'm not going to go into that doctrine. It, it's irrelevant for the story. All right? Now bear with me. 
So he goes there. And the days of Terah were 205 day years, and Terah died where? In Haran. Can I, can I rename that the city where he died? He, he was on his way to Canaan, but he died before he got there. He died in a city that was named after his son. Can I just talk to you here today? Can I say that he just died in the city of Painesville? That he wouldn't let loose of his pain and he couldn't carry on to the promise that God had. Oh, somebody help me here today. That God has delivered you out of your sin and your bondage. But along the way something happened in your life. Or you're still carrying the baggage. Amen. That God says I'm going to take away from you before you come to God. And you're living in the city of Painesville. And I'm here to proclaim to you it's time to move out of that city lest you die Oh, gosh. God is trying to stir you to bring you into that realm with God of release and happiness. To release you from your past and release you from your failures and release you from your disappointments and release you from the separation of those that wronged you. But you want to live back there. In Painesville, and I'm not saying that we should not, uh, amen, uh, spend a little time crying over things that hurt us. I'm not saying, Sister Sandy, that we shouldn't spend time crying over our lost loved ones. That's not what I'm saying. It's all right to visit there. My wife and I walked through some very dark moments of our life with rejection and abandonment. And I was enveloped in a, a great horde of darkness to where the pain was so bad on the inside that I just wanted something physically happen to me on the outside so it would release the pain that is on the inside. Some of you can relate to me with that. That's why some of our young people that's been abused and abandoned and left alone and discarded that they cut themselves because the pain inside the heart of abandonment and abuse is so bad that if they could just release it from their body, they could have some type of relief from it. That's why alcohol and drugs is the key thing to go to, to, to try to numb the pain and the abandonment and the heartache. And, and I know I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to a few folks here today. It's time to move out of the city of Painesville. Don't die there. Don't, don't suffer any longer. God is saying it's time to move on. I've given you more life. I've given you something that's abundant. Amen. Now watch this next verse. If you can go back, please. Abraham recognizes this. And then next verse. And then the days of terror, there we go, 32 and the yeah, 1. And the Lord said, verse 1, chapter 12. And the Lord said to Abraham, get thee out of there. 
Get you out of that city called Painesville. Get out of this city called rejection. Get out of this city called failure. Get out of this city, amen, that has been hurting you and hounding you and destroying you and, and, and causing trouble emotionally in your life. I'm convinced sometimes that some of our emotional problems is because we want to live in a city called rejection, in the city called Painesville, in that city called yesterday. You cannot live in the state of emotional trauma and not think it's not going to affect you emotionally for the rest of your life. It will destroy your relationships that God wants you to have. It would destroy the church that you attend. It would destroy your homes. It would destroy your workplace. Why? Because you won't move on. And I'm not saying that you, you don't weep and you don't cry. You don't know how many tears I shed. You know how many this wandering in the, in the back streets, wondering what God's going to do next. Where are you, God? Wondering, wondering if anybody really wants to care for me anymore. Does anybody really care? But I realize, I refuse, I can't live in that state of thinking anymore. I, I can't live in that hurt. Lest I die. And I think if I stop here, I believe that God has spoken to you in a way that probably nobody's ever spoke to you about. And the Lord said to Abram, you need to move on. Now, that was his brother that died. A brother that was probably very close to him. And not only his brother, but now he, he's thinking about his, his nephew Lot. And Lot's going to be without a daddy. But he takes Lot under his wings and he makes a decision. And watch this. Not only his brother had died, but his dad died in sorrow. He watched his dad deteriorate emotionally and spiritually. He watched his dreams fall and falter because he couldn't get over the loss of his son. And he watched it, how devastating to be in an environment, in a home. And, and sometimes if you're not careful, it's going to attach itself to you and you become the same victim. I'm here to tell you, church, we need to move on. Don't die in a city called rejection. Don't die in a city called Painesville. Don't die in the city called failure. Don't die in the city of regrets. Don't die in the city of shame. And God said to Adam, I got a plan. I got a future. You got to pick it up. Your daddy, your daddy was on his way to Canaan and he died in despair. But son, would you please, Abram, would you please pick pieces back up again? Would you have enough courage? And God speaks out. In his despair. And he says, yeah, 
And the Bible says he just got up and went, took his wife, took his, his, his brother's son, took him in his arms and carried him out of that place of disparity, the place of helplessness and hopelessness and sorrow and pain. Sometimes we need a little help. Sometimes we need a little encouragement. That's why I said, oh, if I have any regrets, oh, I would regret that I didn't spend enough time with my friends. I didn't spend enough time with my family. Can I say this? It's time for you to get over it. It's time to put your differences away. It's time to quit and just forgive. And it doesn't matter how bad it was or who was the, the offense or how it was or who did it. Just forgive and move on and change your address. Uh, sell your house called Painesville. Put your hands together. I think somebody ought to shout. I think somebody ought to say, yes, I'm going to change my address. Because God is trying to move you in a place of joy and happiness and where he can use you in a powerful way. But he can't because it stopped and your brain and your mind is so confused. That any little thing that you don't agree with, you get angry at. Somebody said something wrong to you and you, you flash back because they think they're hurting you on purpose. They are not hurting. It's a deception and it's a lie because you're in a state of painsville and hurt and, and sorrow. you got to get out of that. Amen. Because you're seeing things through the cloud of disappointment. Am I, am I, am I, am I all right here? Am I, am I, am I missing the point? I feel, like, I feel like maybe some of you don't even understand what I'm talking about. But I do believe that I think you know what I'm talking about. And it stuns you. The reason why we get sideways with pastor and, and, the, and the things of the church is because we're still living in the city of Painesville. We're still living in the city of hurt and rejection. I've had people hurt me and talk bad about me, but I, I decided I'm going to love them. Because my, if, I'm not going to have a regret. And I recognize the fact that they hurt themselves and they're deceived and there's deception. And they really, it's, it's just, I don't have time for this anymore. I cannot allow myself to get wrapped up in this place called Painesville. Am I preaching all right here, Pastor? I don't need, I don't need to hurt. I don't need to hurt no more and hurt myself. Somebody says something off and you get all upset at that person and you close the door on that friendship. And what the Lord was saying, Abram, I've got a nation I've got to build. And you've got to get out of that environment. You've got to move on. Because your, your wife is going to have a baby. 
So do you remember where it said in the scripture that she was barren? Well, there was a reason why it said that. Because when Abram said, yes, I'm going to move out of that city called despair. He says, I'm going to go into that place of promise. <laughs> little did he know that his little honey is going to have a baby. And that baby is going to have a, 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 a nation. And that nation is going to grow. And that nation is going to be called Israel, the children of God. Little did Abram know that if he just stepped out of that city of despair, of the city of Painesville, there's a whole world out there that's depending on him to have life and have it more abundantly. Can I tell you, there's something about to be birthed out of you, but it cannot be birthed if you're still living in that old city. Amen. Time to move, and it's time to change addresses. It's trying to, oh, hashikara, the devil's a liar, and he's trying to keep you tied up and bound up and chained up. But I think my Bible said that every chain is broken and every prison door is open. God has already released you and already set you free out of that environment. Oh, Somebody say yes. That's why there's so much divorce. That's why there's so much rejection in the family. That's why there's so much arguing. Somebody told me, I think it was pastor one time, he says, you know what? Hurt people hurt people. I didn't wake up in the morning to hurt anybody. <laughs> I didn't wake up any morning to cause trouble in somebody's life. And I, I, I want to believe that you didn't either. I, I just want to believe that you're just having a bad day when you looked at me wrong. All the years, at 42 years, somebody, you know, was asking something about fighting. And we fight. I said, I, I really, 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 really don't fight. I disagree. And, I, and when we talk, and sometimes I raise my voice, but we don't fight. Fighting is for people that are hurt. People that don't have the Holy Ghost. I don't fight. Just get fleshly once in a while. And, and you know what? My wife sometimes, as good as she is, she gets kind of fleshly every once in a while. Not very often. But I take all that in consideration. Oh, God, help us here today. If I have any regrets at all, I regret that I don't spend enough time building relationships. Forgiving and, and understanding. I just wanna just wanna do what God wants to do. I wanna just respect people, love people. I don't have to understand them. Oh, hallelujah. You know, God, 
It seems like when there is problems, difficulties, a loss, a rejection, an abandonment, it really is nothing worse than your own family turning against you. There's nothing worse than that. We find an example with Moses and Miriam and Aaron. And Aaron and Miriam decide to discuss their brother Moses in a derogatory way. Now, this is how much God hates it. Now, God lets us do this here today in our environment. But back in the Old Testament, God did not tolerate that. Because he knew and understand the power of the family and understand the relationship is so powerful that if it gets interrupted today, he's not going to have a tomorrow. No, so I, and let me just stop here. There's some things that you just can't do anything about a relationship that goes bad, okay? But you can do your part, and that's all you can do. So I understand. So that lets some people, you know, I understand that. And I, 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 I do understand that a lot, by the way. But God, when Miriam complained about Moses marrying somebody that she did not agree with, God begins to speak. And he says, Miriam, you get to the tabernacle. Just like that. You read it. It's there. And to the tabernacle. And he says, Moses, would you go to the tabernacle, please? And God exposed this because he says, if we have this, continue. It's going to destroy my plan. Are you hearing me today? And God speaks and he says, so you, you got trouble hearing the word of God? Do you think you can hear it more than Moses? I've been hearing what you've been talking about. Is this all right? I hope I don't get myself in trouble. I'm just telling the story about Moses. This Bible story. And um, I'm, there, was no, there was no talking back and forth here. It was just God speaking. He says, you know, he says, the prophets, there's prophets among us. And I speak to the prophets in a dream and in a vision. But to Moses, I talk to him face to face. So you got a problem with that? <laughs> That's how I would speak. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> but God was pretty direct. He says, I never found a meekest, no meeker man than this in humanity. And you're talking about him? What God was saying is that we can't go no further than this until you stop this. What I'm saying to you and what God's saying, if you want your marriage healed, if you want relationships healed, then you need to know where your position is with God. 
God struck Miriam with a type of leprosy. And, and Aaron stepped back and goes, whoa, God, whoa, I didn't really mean it. Don't let her have leprosy. And the meekness of Moses saying, oh, please, God, don't hold no charge against him. And he says, okay, I won't. I'll take that leprosy away, but I'm going to put her outside the camp for seven days. As though, no, watch this, as though she defiled her father. That's how important relationships are. No, he didn't say it in those words. You know how he said? He says, he says, as though your daddy spit in your face. What that meant is that she defiled her father and her father rejected her. And by spitting in her face, she had to sit outside the camp for seven days. It's like putting a sign on here. I disrespected my dad. That's how important it was. powerful things are. That's how things work with God. So you're wondering why you're struggling trying to find the will of God, trying to find answers. Got to move on. You've got to get out of that city. You want your healing in your relationships, in your marriage. You've got to move on. You've got to quit being a historian. Let's stand to our feet. I know it. I wish I could preach something different. I wish, I wish I could just go, oh, man, let's run the aisles. But I think this is what this is going to do here in this service today is going to unshackle you. And it's going to unshackle the hands of this leadership. It's going to unshackle the hands of the angels. Because what they're intending to do is to carry you into that promised land, into the blessing where God wants you to have. But you've got to get away from that place, amen, called rejection and disappointment. And, and, and you can fill in all the blank. I can't hit everything. I'm not here to meddle at all. But I think you know what I'm talking about. If I didn't hit an adjective that fits you, you know what it is. It wasn't until the cross... It wasn't until Calvary where humanity was released from that. You see, God has a way of filling the void. And some of you with having to move away from those things and separate from those things, you think that there's going to be a void in your life. there's so much change to come forward with that but it's like when God spoke to Abraham he says okay I will and he left without question because he recognized that there's something better over there and he's tired of living in rejection and pain and disappointment and even bitterness stepped out and there was this void of the unknown but if you go back a few years earlier in the beginning God God is still God 
If you've got loneliness and void in your life, let me remind you. He's the God of beginnings. But you cannot have a beginning until you have an ending. Until there's a void. When there's a void, there's a hunger. And when there's a hunger, there's a thirsting. And my heart desires. Desires him. But you know what, church? I found him in my relationships. I I found him in my wife. I found him in my friends. I found him in my brothers and sisters. I found him because I see no fault. By the way, if you say something bad about me, (laughs) I'll just smile and think, that's all right because I'm glad they didn't know all the other bad things about me. See, that's all right. Because I know I have that fault. That's all right. It's fine with me. It's all right. If you think that some of the things I do is weird, I'm all right with that. I think some of the things you do is kind of strange. Brother Pete. And so the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, and, and oh, and there was void. And God said, let there be, and he's the master of filling the void and the emptiness in your life. the master of taking the chaos out of chaos. He's the master of bringing peace even into your disappointments and your loss. Because he's God. He's the master of feeling your loneliness when you think you're all by yourself and nobody loves you. You know, one of my other regrets is Sister Sandy, Brother Pritchard, is one of the sweet times where I feel all alone and also the presence of God comes down. And I feel him like I've never felt him. You know, my regret is I didn't stay there long enough. I wish I would have stayed there just a little longer. Because I needed it. But you know what happened? I let my pain rise up. Oh, God, help us. And he placed the stars where there was no star. And you see, when he does that, and right in the middle of your rejection, you walk outside. And for the first time in a long time, you see the beauty in your chaos. And you see the stars glistening in the air. And you go, there is a God. 
And there's just that one star that seemed to speak to you. It seems to be brighter than ever, and you know that star seems to speak. He tells you the story how much God loves So let's move on. Let's get out of Painesville. Lamentation said this, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And he writes this in the next verse, it is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. It may seem like you're going to get consumed with those things, but his mercy shows up. God dwelt with us according to our sins instead of his grace none of us would be able to live and stand before him I am glad he loved me when I didn't even deserve to be loved thank God thank God so the cross where the cross began that's when my future left. Well, you didn't hear me. I said, when the cross began, that's when my future left. Or my, my past left. And my future began. It was through the blood that washed away all those things the hurt the shame the pain therefore if any man is in Christ he is a new creature all things have passed away and behold all things become new the gospel changed my life Let's lift up our hands and love him. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. When the cross began, it ended my past. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Take that dumpster. Take that dumpster right now and throw it all in that dumpster right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's as though God had placed two or three dumpsters in front of this altar. You need to come and start throwing your junk in there. Start throwing your trash in there. Start throwing your hurts and your pain in there. I know I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody in this room. Hallelujah. Your future starts now. Come on, somebody. You're hanging on. You're hanging on to your stuff. You're hanging on to your stuff. You don't need it no more.
Come on. Come on. Beautiful, sir. God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. Your past can be taken away through the waters of baptism. But some of you, church, you're hanging on. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, release your angels in this room right now. Release God the heaviness and release, oh God, the deception that's been hovering over your congregation. That's it. Somebody's going to come alive. Somebody's shackles, amen, are unloosed. Amen. The door of your prison is swung open. 